Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Again, December 8th. I know this is the third third episode that I've said it's December 8th, but we try to run through them on Fridays. Um, so we're closing in on Christmas. I am super excited. It's my favorite time of the year. I uh, got all the the family coming in and I'm just, I'm just stoked about it. Um, but another reason I'm stoked is because we have Trevor Mock with us today from Carrot.com. I'm sure all you guys who have been in real estate for a while know Carrot.com. They crush it in the uh, the website space and the SEO marketing, that kind of stuff. Um, when you need a website to get motivated seller leads, they're the people you go to. So we got one and only the Trevor Mock, who uh, I believe you founded the company, right, Trevor? Yep. Yep. Back in shoot, 20, uh, started 2014 and in 2013. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Dude, Gabe, I appreciate it, man. And and um, like I said, thanks for the patience on us aligning schedules. A per- perfect time, though. Like I said, leading up into the holidays and right before the new year to get people thinking, which is good. There you go. Um, I told you before we got on here, we like to start with stories. So uh, yeah. I know you got a good one. Why don't you take yeah. us back to the beginning of your story? How'd you get started in real estate? Dude, so I'll, I'll, I'll zoom back uh, really quick. I want to set context for people um, so they kind of can see the little points that led up to today. So yeah, today, um, I own, own Carrot, like you'd mentioned, about 50 or 60 employees now between that company and InvestorFuse, the other software company we acquired, um, into the multiple eight-figure year revenue side of things. Then I buy um, I, I, I buy commercial properties mainly for the buy and hold side of things. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's my investment uh, strategy. Just now, I uh, wrapped up an investment. Actually, today, we close next week on the loan. Uh, of a big a building that we're doing over in Richmond, Virginia, um, with a partner of mine, Daniel Clayman. And so that's where I usually do the investment side. So let's go all the way back, man. So <laughs> I got my first property in 2004. Okay. And so I would have been 2021. 20, uh, I, I would have been 20, 21 years old in 2004 uh, in college. And the way that I started, honestly, uh, I didn't have any money, didn't have any credit, just like most college kids, you know, you know, experience. And I remember watching the darn Carlton Sheets infomercial, infomercials that were popping up. And uh, my dad had bought the course, hadn't really done anything with it. And was kind of sitting over there. And, and I kept talking about it. Him and I would talk entrepreneur stuff just for years and years and years and years. And I thought I wanted to be a landscaper at one time. So in high school, in the summers, I would just jam on landscaping projects, not maintenance, but like building the stuff out. I'd go up there with my notepad and, and kind of draw out what we could do with their, with their landscape. And I get a bunch of my buddies on a weekend and we would just jam out that, that project. And that was pretty cool because it, it showed me how to sell, right? I would literally go up to a house that had a crappy yard and I would draw on their porch on a piece of paper. And I would say, Hey, what if it looked something like this? And I got a few people say yes. Um, so that was interesting. A lot more people said no. Yeah. Uh, but I learned I didn't want to do landscaping because uh, I was picturing it going, man, I can't do this. I can't picture myself doing this hard work like this for the next 20, 30 years. And oh, at that you, time, you were the landscaper. Like you I was a landscaper, dude. Like it was yeah. me and my college baseball buddies. Like yeah. we would, I would design it and then I would, we would come in there and just hammer it out in a couple of days usually. Nice. 
um, and made some good money, you know, for, for some high school kids. And I stretched that into my freshman year of college too. And, and I had to really ask that question, like, do I want to do this for a long time? You know, is this going to get me where I want to go? And, and at that time I had a massive limiting belief on, um, on employees. Mm. I don't want to have employees. They're going to tie me down. Uh, we might get into this a little bit later, but we all have these money mindsets or these mindsets that either serve us or don't. And that was one of the ones that did not serve me. No. So I gave up on that business because I said, I don't want to hire employees and I don't want to do this work forever myself. What's next? Yeah. Um, yeah. So w- went, in, went into college, thought I wanted to be an attorney, actually, Gabe, because <laughs> I had it. I was going to. Yeah, dude. Uh, so I, I had an amazing college professor. Her name is Ari DeGroo. He, uh, he recently passed away, unfortunately. But just such an inspiring guy. Number one, like it should have been the most boring class in college, business law. But he was going up there teaching business law and he, he seemed excited about it. And he was teaching us business law through his real estate deals. Oh, nice. So he bought and hold apartment buildings and duplexes and triplexes and stuff like that. And he was just kind of showing us some contract law and he would bring up some of his deals and his, his contracts and we would learn through that. And dude, I go, man, if, if that guy's that excited about life when he comes in here teaching these classes, I want to do what he's doing. I want to be an attorney <laughs> and I want to be a real estate investor. And I got half that right. I, uh, <laughs> I flunked on the LSAT, man. I got a 4.0 in college. And I, I I did so bad in the LSAT two different times. LSAT's, I couldn't get into any school. Ooh, yeah. That, it's a tough test. I, I yeah. actually liked uh, prepping for it. But once I actually went to sit sit for it, it's a stressful thing to do. Man, it it, it was the hardest test I'd ever taken. And I'd always been a pretty good test taker. Hmm. Um, and I got a bad score the first one. So I took the the whole prep course. I had to go up to Portland. And they guaranteed yeah. a better score your money yeah, back. The Princeton Review, right? Yeah, man. And I got a worse score on that next test. And I, I felt so bad. <laughs> I didn't all the pressure. Even go ask. <laughs> yeah. I felt so bad. I didn't go ask my money back. I'm like, I don't deserve to get my money back in this. I didn't so bad. So uh, that kind of set the stage for me. And in that year, my dad had that course and he came to me one day and he's like, Hey, if you're serious about doing this real estate thing, I'll give you this Carlton Sheets course and you won't have to pay for it. If you do a deal, if you buy a property within the next 12 months. If you don't get a property in the next 12 months, you got to give me 500 bucks, which I didn't have much money, that's right? A, I had a little a, bit of money for my landscaping thing, but that, that was about it. It's a good strategy on your dad's part, I feel like. Dude, it, it, it worked well. And so I, I took the challenge and ended up going to the courthouse and finding properties that meet certain criteria. Um, ended up getting a fourplex as my first deal, no money down, 100% Carlton Sheets thing, cash flow from day one. Um uh, owner carrying the note. I still own this property today. It, it crushes it on the cash flow, and that's that's what got my start. Nice on the real estate side. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, um, I feel like it is. You know, I've had plenty of people on here who who have had a, a failure for their first deal, mm-hmm. and I'm always like, dude, more power to you because it is so important, in my opinion, to get that uh, a success under your belt, so you yeah. can really see the potential. You know, you're going to have failures down the line for sure, but having yeah. that first deal that actually goes the way you hope it uh, hope it went. Um, yeah. is super important. And so that fourplex, no money down. That's awesome that you're able to yeah. do that. I still haven't done that to this day. Get, get a deal, no money down, but yeah, uh, that's yeah, dude, the, the, the no money down topic. I mean, I honestly took that mindset with me. Uh, the Carlton sheets course wasn't that great, right? It, but it kind of gave me the kernel of belief and it gave me a couple little tools here and there. And I think the biggest thing was it opened me up that you can go get something without any money. And I'll give you an example even today. So we we acquired a company about a year and a half ago, a multiple seven-figure uh, deal, and we did it no money down. 
it was, it was a distressed seller situation. Oh, wow. We put no money into the deal, immediately brought in about 80K a month in new cash flow uh, to our business. Um, not free, not, not net profit, but cash yeah. flow. And then we optimized the business pretty quickly and got it to profitability. Um, building next door for me that we're in right now. So downtown Roseburg, uh, we're in this tiny little town. And for my active income, I build businesses, you know, Carrot, a uh, software company, another software company. I'm a part owner in that's in the eight figures. And I take my income and I put it into, into real estate. And for mm-hmm. me, I love being able to walk to the building and touch it and take my son in the building next door and bust down some of that plaster off this historic building to uncover the brick behind it. And um, all of the properties we have downtown, except for one, are no money down. And all of them are owner carry. And so the deals are out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's great. I, I mean, in being in the town yourself, I'm sure you have a name in the town. I'm sure mm-hmm. the people that were selling it, they're like, Okay, I know Trevor. Um, yeah. you know, I'll I'll work with you a little bit on the on the terms. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's awesome to hear. At what point, you know, you bought this fourplex um however many years ago. At what point did you start on carrot? When did that like idea come to you? Yeah, man. So that uh, I'm going to kind of buzz through this this timeline, but dude, there were so many big changes that happened mindset wise during during that let's say five, six, seven, eight years. So 2004, I bought the property. Was still in college, graduated. My wife and I moved up to Portland. Uh, she was going to school at Pacific University, and I thought I thought I wanted to be a wholesaler. Hmm. And so I learned the wholesaling stuff, and never actually did a wholesale deal myself. And still today, I have not done one start to finish myself, but I've partnered at a lot of them now mm. um, from the marketing side of things. And I've got the deal guy or whatever. And so I started posting online. I started, I was used, used Craigslist. And so I launched a website, went to GoDaddy. And, and it, you could probably still find it today in the Wayback Machine, but it's like, I think it was trademark-re solutions or something like that. But it was just this jumbled mess of a website that had everything on it, right? Talk to buyers, talk to sellers, talk to tenants, like everything. Um, and I would go to Craigslist and I'd start posting on it for people who were looking to sell. And I got leads and I had some conversations and I went to meet some sellers. And I think for me, Gabe, I, I honestly gave up too early on it. Um, and I saw something that for me was more interesting and matched my unique abilities more for what I was going to focus on for my career. But uh, in that time, I learned how to generate leads. and so. During the next one, two, three years, when I was living in Portland, I was working with mortgage brokers, doing some marketing consulting. I started working with some real estate people, and I got really good at generating leads online. Uh, One example was the guy who owned the mortgage company uh, that I was doing consulting from. He walked over to my desk one day, and I was doing cold calling on Craigslist for about six months for this other broker. I was doing anything I could do to make money, Gabe, to pay rent, (laughs) like anything I could do, a little bit of marketing consulting for just you know peanuts. Uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, just to pay the rent. And um, he walked in one day and he said, he said, like, he he said, pull up, pull up the screen. And he goes, uh, Google mortgage brokers in Portland. And I did. And up to the top was like Rose City Mortgage and this and that, whatever. And he goes, how do you get me there? Like to the top of that, of Google. Because he said, if I imagine if I can get there, and this is back in 2007 or so. He said, if I can get there, I imagine that'll be a, a lot of really good leads. That'll be really good marketing for us. And I said, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And so over that next 12 months, dude, I did everything I could do to learn how to actually launch real websites that actually performed everything I, uh, around learning how Google worked, how to create content that ranked, how to make a website convert then, because then we would get traffic to it. And I was just jamming on learning how to split test and do all these things that make a website actually perform and convert. 
And so over that, let's say three, four year period from 2007 or so to the end of 2012, uh, going into 13, um, I had started two or three other businesses that were all web-based um, in the real estate space. And by that time, I generated probably about 80,000 leads in the real estate space online for mostly people I was doing work for. Uh, generated about 7,000 private lender leads back from 2007 through 2009 uh, for that mortgage broker. Uh, he had a fund and learned how to get a website online, rank it for things that investors would be going for. And we got a lot of applications that came through. Um, generated a lot of seller leads, a lot of buyer leads for mostly investors and agents. I just got in those circles. Um, and then dude, in 2012, I got burnout. Mm. I got burnout. I, um, what one lesson that I had learned, I read this book back then by a guy named Mike McCallowitz called, uh, the pumpkin plan. And I don't know if anyone can, can relate, but when you start a company, you're usually running away from something, right? You're running away from a job you don't want. Uh, an income ceiling that's capping you, people telling you you can't do something, whatever it is, your fuel is usually running away from something. You're, 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 uh, fr- you're, it's freedom from, I want to get freedom from these things back here. Yep, yep, yep. And I did that, right? I, I grew it to where I was making a couple hundred grand a year between a couple little companies here and there. But when you get about three years into a company and you're not, you're no longer have your back against the wall, that thing you're trying to run, run away from. What happens oftentimes, I call it the three-year turn and burn. What happens oftentimes, we start to resent the business we've grown. We're doing a lot of work that drains our energy. We don't have the excitement of the startup anymore. We're maintaining the business now more. And you look back week over week and you just go, man, I don't want to do the work in the business that I'd created for myself. And at that point, like I said, this is 2012, 13. I've been doing a lot of marketing for people, generated a lot of leads. I had a bunch of websites up for investors, for private lending leads and some other things on this very side project. It wasn't making any money. It was, it was more of a favor. And I hit this, uh, I call them pain lines now, but I hit this pain line and I didn't recognize that when you you hit these pain lines at threes and tens in your business, 100,000, 300,000, million, 3 million, 10 million, 30 million, you hit these pain lines. Interesting, yeah. And dude, the pain line that I was experiencing was that 300,000 hour pain line. I didn't know how to delegate. And so I did everything in the business except for a couple of things my business partner did. And I also didn't recognize, Gabe, that this is what I fully build myself on now. And then then I'll tell you how Carrot came out of this. It's kind of like the Phoenix rising out of the ashes thing. Is um, I also followed a lot of advice. It's good. That's good intention advice. But for me, it was bad. And the advice that a lot of people get is this. Okay. Draw a line down the middle of the paper. On one side, right, things that make me money that I'm doing, things that don't make me money that I'm doing. And I'll circle all the things that don't make you money that you're doing in your week and find a way to delegate those or say no to them or whatever and focus as much time as you can on the things that make you money, right? I did that. The challenge with it is a lot of the things that made me money drained my energy. I didn't like it. All right. So, but people told me that I was good at them. They paid me well for those things. And so I would do more of them. The more things you step into that drain your energy, it doesn't matter if it makes you money or not. The more you're going to hit this pain line and eventually self-sabotage or move back to what was comfortable. Yeah. And that's what happened. That's what I did. So I, in that, in that period of time, man, I had four different companies, a couple investments, two of them died, had my main company that was making some money. And I just read the pumpkin plan. I'm like, dude, I got to trim it down. I'm not enjoying life. I got to trim this down. I trimmed everything down to a, a, one consulting client. And then I said, I'm going to figure out what's next. 
And what's next became Carrot. Once I had time and space to just clear the deck and say, I'm starting new. And that year I went from $250,000 net on my, on my taxes to 2012, uh, my tax statement, uh, found it, found it a few weeks ago uh, in, in the garage is 27 grand. Nice. It's so a 90% <laughs> cut a, in income. A big jump. Yeah. Or a big yep. dip. Yep. But I, I took that skill set of real estate, generating leads, had these websites that were sitting here and I saw an opportunity that was way bigger. Uh, yeah. once I had a chance to trim down, uh, all, all the distraction and launched care at the end of uh, 2013. Yeah. Yeah. What you said about that pain line that, um, that really resonates with me. And I, I, I see that in my own, you know, career, mm-hmm. not as far as you are, but I've, you know, I, I see that kind of, you get to a point where what motivated you earlier is you've, it doesn't motivate you anymore. Um, yep. money, especially it's not a huge, for me, it's not like a huge motivator. Mm-hmm. And let, you know, once I get to a certain point, um, I, you know, I have the money I need. And so yep. getting more isn't necessarily better. Um, yep. so you get, you know, you get to a point and you realize like, okay, even if this is going to make me a lot of money, it's not necessarily what I want to do. And so mm-hmm. you have to change your paradigm, change your, your goals, your purpose, um, and realign your, your actions to, to the things that actually bring you energy. And I do feel like, I mean, I love that you said energy because in my own life, I feel like that is the thing that is, that's the true, um, currency almost, yep. you know, when you are doing things that, bring more energy to you and your family and the people you're working with. That is the, that's the goal. Um, that's the, that's Dude. the thing you're trying to go for. So in, in, in the real key, I'll, I'll kind of drop a little nugget on the energy side. The real key is recognizing the things that give you energy. Like you have more energy when you're done doing them than when you started and they make you money. Right. So podcasting, uh, back in 2016. So carrots already started about ta- that time where, you know, multiple seven figure company at that time. And I got to another spot where I was, my energy was just getting drained. You know, it was, it was the next pain line between that one and 2 million that I needed to solve to get up over three. And that's a whole different pain line, you know, one to 2 million. Um, it, it's a different solve, a different type of delegation, a different change in communication in your company than the $300,000 one, then the 3 million one, then, then the 10 million one. And on the energy side, you always continually have to prune the things that drain your energy. It's not a one-time thing. It's like, I do it quarterly. And every, every quarter I have this, this process, I call the energy audit and uh, you guys can get the energy audit. It's just a worksheet, no opt-in required. I believe the team has no opt-in required still just carrot.com forward slash energy. That's uh, a one pager. Um, I believe I might have a video up there with it now, but I'll go through that every quarter. Um, or if I just get to a spot, Gabe, where I'm, I'm kind of getting to the spot where I'm like, man, too many weeks in a row. I'm not loving the week I had. I'll pull out that energy audit. And you draw a line down the middle of the paper, same thing, but now you're changing the things on the top. Now I, I put energy give, energy drain. And then I'll do on the energy drain side, write anything on that list on an average week you're currently doing that drains your energy, anything at all, business, personal, all of it. On the energy give side, this is where it's key, write down the things that give you energy, even and especially if you're not doing them right now, but they give you energy, okay? And write that list down. And then you go back over the energy drain side and you circle one or two of the things that drain your energy the most and write down how many hours a week uh, approximately you put on, on those things. Mm-hmm. Let's say you've got one thing that's four hours a week, another one that's seven or whatever. That's 11 hours right there. Gabe, for me, when I go into a quarter, that's the very first project I do now. And with my executive assistant, that's her primary job is mm-hmm. to take those two things, work with me and figure out how to get them off my lap. It's either a process or delegating or just saying, no, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. And as soon as I got that 11 hours back, 
I go to the, the energy give side and I do this before I create this process for motivation. I go, once they get those 11 hours back, I'm going to now put these two things now in my life. this is my reward, this thing over Heck here. Heck yeah. yeah. And then you're just continually trading out all the time. And in that period, I went from 20% energy give, 80% energy drain. No wonder I wasn't wanting to do the work <laughs> yeah. in the job I'd created to about two years later through continual quarterly pruning. Uh, it was 80% energy give. Nice. And at that point, when you're in your energy and you can really focus on the things that you're great at and drive revenue, that's when my income way more than 10 X over five years yeah, nice. and blew, blew through the seven figures and into the eight figures. Nice. Yeah. I, I love that model. And for anybody who is interested, I just pulled it up. Um, Carrot.com slash guides slash energy. That's where you can get that, uh, that sheet he was talking about. Um, but yeah, I love that model. Uh, I, I, it's not something I do right now, but I think it's something I'm definitely going to have to do. I'm mm-hmm. gonna have to get that get that uh, sheet that you have there. Yep. Um, but hey, I just took a peek at the clock. Uh, this is a shorter podcast, unfortunately, so I am gonna have us have to move us on a little yep, bit. Let's do it. Um, before we move on to the quick question round, you know, we've been talking about your journey up till now. We've talked about carrot, um, but I want to know on the real estate side, carrot, you know, it, it is real estate related, but, um, of your actual investing, what is your, yep. what are your goals right now? What are you looking at? Um, what's the, what is your, your goals for 2024 for your, um, you know, active investing side? Yep. Yeah. So what, what I do, I'm a buy and hold guy and except for my local stuff here in Roseburg, which I'll kind of tell you about really quickly. Um, everything else is me being a, a minority partner in bigger deals with people mm-hmm. I trust. So the, the one over in Richmond, Virginia, uh, that's a, a pretty big development with, I think it's a 60, 70 high end apartments on the top. We're going to take 10 of them, make them Airbnb. And it's going to be commercial down below. Oh, it's cool. in a real up and coming spot, uh, spot of, of Richmond. And so with those ones, I'll, I'll find those amazing operators and I will invest in these deals where I put the capital in, we get it back in two to three years. So I get hundred percent of my capital return, get to keep the equity, get the big depreciation write-offs, get the cash flow, And I'll do that. I'll usually do one to two, three of those a year where I'm just keeping big chunks of cash, put them in. No, I'm not going to get it back for several years, but then stacking those up and you're not getting the rewards now. But that's with a portion of my portfolio that I don't need the capital now. I'm investing for big, big gains in the future. And that's where a lot of people forget that. So the other part now that is kind of more hands-on is down here in, in Roseburg, you know, any downtown and rural uh, usually is a little bit challenged unless you're in a really, really hyper cool spot like a Napa or whatever, right? Where there's a lot of tourism. And so we're going and finding these buildings that are just, um, they need some help. Uh, they've been around for 120, 130 years. They're in downtown and we're investing us in another developer. We just keep buying up all the buildings we can. And then we renovate the buildings. We're putting residential upstairs where there's not a lot of residential downstairs, making the retail amazing, uh, raising the rents in the whole downtown and uh, bringing businesses in. And so that's passion for me. Like, I love that part of it. It doesn't make a ton of money, ton of money, ton of money now. But the way I'm buying these properties, we're buying them so right, the tenants are able to pay those down. And it's a fun project. Yeah. Um, the other stuff that that does make money on the real estate side, on the active side, is um, I partner with a couple of guys, one in Louisville and one in Dallas, Texas, where I'm the marketing side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll bring in the leads for it. And they're the ones who partner on the deal. And we split those deals 50-50. Uh, that's a multiple six-figure year, you know, three hour a month kind of a thing for me where I get to keep my hands in deals and use our software to make, uh, make those deals happen. 
Nice, man. Well, hey, that sounds like you got um, tons of different models, uh, different, you know, ways to do real estate. And that's why I love real estate so much is there is not there's not one way to skin the cat. There's tons of different ways you can execute um, and make make, you know, revenue in uh, in real estate. You can generate leads. You can do flips. You can buy and hold. You can, uh, you know, tons of ways to do it. So love to hear that. Um, I am going to move us on to the quick question round. Are you ready? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do it. It starts with books or any form of education. Could be a podcast, could be a Netflix show, whatever. Give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom and then one for real estate specific. Dude, I'll I'll give you a real simple one uh, for the general life wisdom. I don't have it here in front of me. It's, um, I first read it 10 years ago. I reread it again uh, three years ago. I read it ever since. Jim Rohn's Five Major Pieces to Life's Puzzle. The simplest read you'll ever use. Every time I mention that book, no one's ever heard of the book. Yeah, I have. But dude, it's an amazing, amazing book to get you to think about the the different levels of how to really uh, plan your life and nail that mindset. It's it's great. Every time I go through it, even at the eight figure level, I'm making new notes on it that resonates. Jim Rohn's five pieces of the life, five major pieces of life's puzzle. Um, I'll give you a kind of a more. I'll give you the business book that's more fresh in my mind that I've been using a lot lately. I'm a big fan of Dan Sullivan, was in his strategic coach coaching program a number of years ago. And in the latest book that he made uh, with uh, Benjamin Hardy, I think his name is 10X is Easier Than 2X. Mm. Great book, man. It's like same thing. It's mindset, but for the business side, 10X is Easier Than 2X. Amazing book. Get those two together and I think they'll be be good for you. Cool. Yeah, those are good recommendations. And I I, uh, I used to really be into Jim Rohn. And surprisingly, I have not um, heard of this book. So I'm going to have to pick that one up. The five Dude, no one's ever heard of it. Every time I haven't found one person who's went, yeah, I've read that. But <laughs> I stumbled funny. on it back in 08 when I needed it. I needed to nail the mindset. And I yeah. set it to the side for over a decade. And as I went through the next pain line, the 10 million plus pain line, I'm like, you know, I'm going to pick that thing back up. It worked in the past. Let me see if it works again. And it did. It was cool. Nice. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to have to buy that for, for a Christmas present for me. Yep. All right. Next question is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Trevor who was uh, just getting started in his lawn, um, his uh, lawn design business. Yeah. Go back to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Mm. I think the big, the biggest thing for me, dude, is recalibrating the definition of, 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 of uh, greatness or the definition of success for me. Uh, I've learned that the definition of of greatness is not about significance of yourself. It's about service. And um, every time I, I get to the spot where I'm thinking about my own significance and how big I need to grow here or there, I stumble. Uh, every time I think about service and how I can serve others, um, they win and I win. So awesome. I love service it. over uh, over significance. Absolutely. Um, all right. The next question is about the people we work with. Um, they they are the reason that we see success in anything is uh, getting together, combining our our talents, our abilities, and uh, going towards a goal. So, um, and this is a good question for you because you've uh, spun up a number of companies. So, if you were to start a new company, um, what were the what would the first three positions you hire be, and uh, um, what order would they be in? Dude, so I'm I'm going to make the assumption I have no employees at all yep, around you. me, right? Yep. So the first hire I would make is an executive assistant, hundred percent, because people make they make high high they make hires that are too high level that you pay too much uh, when you actually need to get the person down here helping with all the lower level tasks so you can do more of those high level things. So EA first, uh, number two, 
is I would find the person to run or lead the business. Uh, that's something I didn't do with many of my first companies. One of them that's really successful now, I did. Um, and now I'm doing that with Carrot, really having a, an amazing operator step in so I can do great. So that's number two is, is a person who truly leads, owns the business. In the early stages, you want it to be a revenue-based leader, not just a, not just a COO. Uh, Pre-million, maybe even pre-three, the person has to be amazing at driving revenue. Okay. Uh, the third hire on that is probably something around... It's probably going to be something around marketing or sales. It's like we, we've we, we've got to get the the lead gen in there. I mean, it depends on the skill set of that leader. You know, do we need a product person, a person to go build the product or whatever it is? I don't know. Depend depends on the business, but it's either a person to drive revenue along with that 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 leader, or the person to go build the product and the person who's like the skill set of the the craft that we're doing. Perfect. I love it. All right. This is uh, this is also a good question for you because it's about metros. Um, I'm mm. sure you see all the data because you guys carry yep. websites are all over the U.S. Uh, so United States is a big place. There's a lot of opportunity, a lot of metros to consider. Uh, what is the metro you are most excited about investing in today? Mm. Dude, that's a good question, man. Um, I I need to beef up on on my on my different data. I think because I don't have like one that jumps out for me. There's several that are working now. I mean, Louisville, we're in there for a very specific reason. It's working well. Um, Memphis is still really really good. Uh, from the multifamily side, we're seeing Dallas uh, is still great. We have got a couple couple big properties there. So I, I think in in general, some of those ones from the south that are more conservative, that have really good employment bases. Um, but also still keep the cost pretty low. And that's where all those fit into that, you know, from your Louisville to your Dallas over to Richmond, Virginia. Uh, those are great ones up where we live. Uh, it's a little bit different, right? Your costs are higher with everything. And, and it's more on the, on the, on the liberal side of things, which does make some things tricky, but there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, all all good markets. Dallas is uh, is one of the ones I have two self-storage facilities out there and I've been looking yep. for more, but man, they are very hard to find because uh dallas is a hot market a lot of a lot of competition yeah. out there we're gonna find more of those deals coming up though dude because you've on the commercial side i think in the next 24 months we're gonna find real deals coming out where people bought properties with shorter term loans cap rates now on a lot of those are going to be lower because the interest rates have gone up and they're, they're not going to meet their debt covenants like we've already seen that coming in uh right now we're seeing properties pop up that never would have popped up a year and a half ago because yeah. they couldn't meet their debt covenants, capital call, bam, they got to they got to give the property up. Now we're going to see a bunch of that, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Um, I mean, I, I, you never hope for it because that means yep. somebody else is going through a hard time. But, um, but hey, if it happens, uh, I will definitely be uh, jumping on that train. So yeah, that's right. All right, and that leads us to the last question. Uh, this is for the listeners. People, I'm sure people want to reach out, get in contact with you, learn a little bit more about what you guys are doing out mm. there at Carrot um, and all the other things you're doing. So uh, what is the best way for people to reach out and what can they expect when they do? Yeah, uh, let's go to Instagram. Follow me, Trevor.Mock, M-A-U-C-H. A um, lot of content over there on the entrepreneur side, on the driving lead generation side from the motivated seller's perspective mainly. And then uh, my podcast, The Carrot Cast. You guys can find on any of the, any of the podcast apps or carrotcast.com. Uh, same thing, if you want to learn how to generate leads, you want to drive more motivated sellers. You want to nail your mindset. Um, anything in our world is going to help you uh, with those types of things. Perfect. I will put those links in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out, just click a little more in the description. It'll pull down that full description and there. You can find Trevor's links. Heck yeah. Awesome. All right, man. That wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. 
Dude, appreciate you, man. And, and guys, you guys are in the right spot. Dive deep with one person. Uh, dive deep with Gabe and follow him. And dude, I'm grateful I'm uh, able to be on this call with you. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, for everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. As always, you are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe at the Real Estate Investing Club .com. Um, If you guys want to support the show, all we ask, give us a like, subscribe, share, all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Awesome. All right. Before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form, fill that out, and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.